Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. This episode, I'm delighted to have my lovely friend Linda with me. So Linda, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a bit about yourself, whatever you'd like to reveal. Hi, I'm Linda Sanders. I'm a convert been a Catholic for probably I think about 28 years now and when I did my RCIA journey uh, the priest that led it then asked me to go on to the next year and and help uh, to assist with a friend of mine. I went on to do a BA in Applied Theology and Divinity at Maryvale. My interest has always been in adult formation, adult education and I worked in RCIA and other things for about 13 years in the church. I'm not active at the moment, but I still keep obviously a very keen interest in in what is going on. Well, it's a delight to have you with us. So which wonderful woman from the scriptures have you chosen to speak about, Linda? Well, it's very strange because when I have listened to your previous podcast, and very often it's been a thing about mine, I initially thought about women who aren't named. I, I think because we live in an age where identity is paramount, you know, we, we argue for our identity, designated titles to, to describe us on identity theft. So this has always been something that's irked me. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll have a look at this. But actually, I was drawn immediately to Simon's mother-in-law. And initially, you can think, well, you know, she, she's not named, but she is, as I'll go on later to explain, is very much named. And it was strange that it went for Simon's mother-in-law because it immediately took me back to when I used to do um, involved in RCIA and in my own journey as well of uh, discovering things in, in the Bible. In RCIA, it was very often the case that people came with very little knowledge of, of the scriptures. So if we read any Bible stories to them, you'd have to accompany it by lots of discussion, setting the scene and going into the background because it would mean nothing to them. I fortunately did have a, although I had a state education, I went to assembly every day and I did have some religious education. So I was, I was, I, I, I could start a bit better. So if we looked at Simon's, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law, inevitably we would get from the men, well, he'd have to heal his mother-in-law, wouldn't he? Because he'd been trouble with the wife and for women well somebody's got to get up and cook the meal you know well I suppose in some respects I put myself there too being very flippant away because it's written very very quickly it's not um there's no decorating the story so I read the story of uh, the miracle of Simon's um, mother-in-law and in such a short description it became a revelation to me of how much is actually in those few verses and first of all I realized that I didn't know that this was before Simon had had his call to follow Jesus. It's right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, so it's clearly very important. It's in all three gospels, as I've said, in, in, in all three synoptic gospels. Firstly, the miracle took place on a Sunday, on a Sabbath, and the gospels tell us that Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue and went immediately to Peter's house. So we're assuming that the house was close by. And he lived there with uh, Simon, lived with his mother-in-law, his wife, his brother Andrew, and who knows, uh, um, possibly more. So there would have been lots of, of people there. It was customary in ancient times uh, for the son to look after his parents, but for Simon to look after his mother-in-law, 
I think, gives him a, an added, shows an added devotion to this woman, that he clearly cares for her, which maybe sometimes we, we don't think about. We don't know what's wrong with Simon's mother-in-law, other than she's got a, a fever. But in the ancient world, a fever was designated as an as a, a illness in itself. It wasn't just something that was complementary to something else that you got wrong. So it was a serious thing to have wrong. And again, we read it in this day and age, and a fever can be nothing. So you think, well, what's, it's hardly a miracle. This is She's got a fever, but it was much more important, much more serious than Jesus' day. So we can't dismiss that. The miracle is told in all three, three Gospels, but they're all slightly different. And that's why, really, I'd like to just quickly do, do the three, because the, the core message of each of them is, is actually different. Matthew's very short, succinct. Jesus finds Simon's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. He touches her hand, the fever leaves and she gets up. That's basically it. But that's the first thing that we should take out of this. Jesus touches her hand. He touches an unclean woman. And for Jews, because uh, Matthew's writing for Jews, if a man touches an unclean woman, he becomes unclean himself. Jesus doesn't become unclean. He remains perfect. And he touches the hand of a woman that he doesn't actually know, a, a stranger, if you like. He's been told who she is, but he, he's touched a stranger. And in that culture, that's that's very, very symbolic. And also that he's done this on Sabbath. So he's showing them that the traditional, the law of the letter means nothing to him. The, the main important thing is that he heals, he can heal this woman. And he immediately, he goes in without any fuss, takes a hand, she's healed. In Mark's gospel, we're told that Simon, Andrew, James and John, come with Simon from the, the synagogue and they tell Jesus about Simon's mother-in-law because they were clearly obviously more concerned about her, this fever. So Mark tells us that Jesus did more than touch her. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. And I read a little bit about this, the translation obviously from the Greek and what we get from, from translations is that the Greek word to describe the woman's condition actually means that somebody is already dead. And the word used to describe her cure is best translated as raised up. So we're reading that in Mark's gospel that she raises her from the dead. And this shows us in this reading that Jesus is immediately foretelling what is happening, the raising of Lazarus and Jesus' resurrection. So it's a much more powerful image of the fact that he touches her and raises her up. Again, this this touching this woman. In Luke's version, it's much more detailed because Luke's a physician. So he would have known the seriousness of this condition. But what was also common in, uh, well, known in ancient um, biblical times, that illness, the disease, sickness and demonic possession wasn't as well defined as it is now. But none of it was good. So it was curing a person will get more or less the same results as an, as an exorcism. Because in Luke's telling of the story, Jesus stands over her. He doesn't touch her. He rebukes the fever and it immediately uh, leaves her. So we've got three different ways that it's been told of how Jesus has healed her. But what we take away from it is the fact it doesn't matter whether he touched her, stood over her, raised her up, was the fact that he healed her. So there's the crux of what we're reading. But the I think that what we're also seeing is when the, in the end of the three, um, after she, she gets up, in Matthew's gospel, he says that she serves, she gets up and serves him. He doesn't save them, he saves him. So we have seen, first of all, the life of service to him that we, we take from that, our life of service to him. The other two gospelers say, 
she gets up and serves them. But we still have this idea of service that runs all the way through all the Gospels, is this idea of service that Jesus came to serve. And I suppose this woman, we could argue, was the first woman to demonstrate that, the first woman to demonstrate that we came to serve. And that's what we are meant to do, is to serve. I was going to say that I think it's very powerful that I think it's recorded this has been the first of the healing miracles of Jesus. So the first person he chooses to heal is a woman and a woman in those in those biblical times would have had a pretty low insignificant place in society so yeah it's a powerful yeah. message that he he raised her up he raised her up by healing her this so that she could but then she responded as you just said she responded in the correct manner by then going on to serve him who raised her up yeah i, I think as, as well we can sometimes um again i, I was guilty of this this idea of, of, of women being of, of no consequence the the hierarchy of the of the Jewish family, the women played a, a pivotal role because their production, if you like, was also measured against that of a man. Uh, they would have had to have worked in the fields. They would have had been obviously to have children. They would have specific roles in a way. That's what underlined it for me that I didn't need to know Simon's mother-in-law's name as we would want to know. She was, they were told exactly who she was, what position she had. She was Simon's mother-in-law and she would have had held some uh, a position in that in that house and I think that when we go on to read that in the three gospels that at the end of the sabbath at the setting of the sun the community bring all of their sick to the to the door and Jesus goes on to heal the people there so the house has now become a focal point hasn't it it's moved from being where the community would have known what would have would have happened there and I suppose when we read about Peter's call to, to leave his family and you think well how can he do that and he has a family well he, he he doesn't have to worry now because the community has seen that this woman was raised she was healed they brought their sick to the house the house is apparently still venerated today as a sign, sign of a pilgrimage so it was clearly looked after so he could go in a way knowing that what had happened would that family would be supported so we sometimes see ourselves as being of no consequence in the story insignificant but we're all part of God's plan so maybe God's plan is that he had to heal he had to do this he had to do that miracle so that Simon who's going to go on to become a pivotal in Jesus's followers has to know that his family is is, is cared for I'm just going to ask you something for many of our listeners because you're jumping from Simon to Peter very quickly yes. and I know lots of our listeners yes. will know exactly why that is but there are I've I've actually yes. had some feedback yes that we have some we have some listeners who are just beginning on their journey to understand and to get to know the bible so yeah. i'm going to ask you to briefly explain why we keep flipping from simon yeah. to peter yeah. yeah i i have to say that when i originally typed this up and i was writing peter and then i suddenly thought why am i writing peter's name wasn't peter then um as I say, that this happened before Simon's call. So he was known as, as Simon Peter. It's not until much later in as a, a disciple that Jesus calls him Peter as his rock. So he then goes on to become be known as, as Peter. But it's at this time he's, he's Simon and actually hasn't begun his journey at all because he would have, and there we can only presume the circumstances have been being going to hear Jesus speak 
in the, the uh, synagogue. And if you read the chapter before or read chapter four from the beginning, you'll see that he's, he's making statements about himself, of, of who he is, of, of that he's come from God. This would have been Simon's first real encounter with him, uh, to, with his mother-in-law. And then if you read further on, he gets the call to leave his fishing. He would have had a fishing business, may have had two, three boats, people dependent on him. And Jesus said, I want you to follow me. And he did. But I think that's the other problem that sometimes if you read an isolated passage, I've always said this sometimes, if, if you read a missal as opposed to the Bible, you get a passage that sometimes doesn't cite it. You need to read mm. the Bible. You need to read the whole thing. And then you read what happened before and what happens on. But yes, that's, um, I, I'm sorry for my confusion. Of no, 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 it's no yeah. need to apologise. But yeah. it's great to demonstrate and to see Jesus showed his healing power to those disciples before that before they were to become disciples because at the very beginning of Jesus's yeah. public ministry yeah. but he demonstrated yeah. this to the unnamed mother-in-law who was clearly loved they obviously really cared about yeah. her because they, they called out to Jesus help help this woman help the yeah. mother-in-law who's ill or possessed has the fever we don't know and so she's given such a wonderful position isn't she because he receives the healing but was touched by the hands of Jesus as we hear in some of the gospels which I think is really beautiful imagine to be able to touch his hand yeah because it isn't very often I mean he does he does um he does touch people that that's the the, the what must have shocked so many of the, the Jews that watched him that did that he did touch people but he touches us now I suppose if if we're going to take what we take from this woman and from this story is that we're all part of, of God's plan where we are significant whether every one knows our name or not we are all part of God's plan and he touches us in the ways that makes us part of God's plan I touched on briefly in my introduction that I'm not working in the in the church now I'm caring for an elderly mother and it's a full-time job and it stops me from doing a lot of the things that I would like to do it stops me from getting involved in things that I would have been naturally drawn to a few years ago but this that I've taken from this reading these these three accounts is that it doesn't matter because it's part of God's plan something happened to put you in that position and that's you're doing it what I'm doing now is just as important as being if you like as you know when I was in RCIA where you know people knew who I was it doesn't make any difference you're all part of God's plan we're all counted he knows us all you know unnamed or unnamed well you're showing the love to your mum like those disciples did to the mother in law yeah. uh, the mother-in-law like Simon's mm-hmm. doing to his mother-in-law and Jesus sees the importance of that love for for the mother-in-law or mother or relatives and he steps in and and helps them in their plea to heal her and to make her well again like you said she was raised from the dead so she must have been look really really ill if you're raised from the dead I mean that's it you've gone and and he didn't just say oh well accept it she's gone (laughs) he brought her back no and I think that again this this idea of of diminishing the idea of she just having the fever we've said it ourselves you know I looked at somebody and I thought that's it that that, that, you know they looked that bad I thought they were dead they looked that ill you know I thought they'd already died so she was clearly very 
very, very poorly. So we, we can't just look at it and read it. I suppose what I'm saying in a nutshell is we shouldn't read anything or, you know, things that we read in the newspapers, but and certainly not in the scriptures. We shouldn't read it at base value and take it from our time now. We have to realise that we're talking about a different time and it, it, it should impel us to want to find more. Why was this written in such a way? What's it saying to me? Because those three Gospels say different things to different people in a different way. And this mother-in-law clearly has a very significant role in yes. the life of these men because she's she lands into the three synoptic Gospels. You know, there's lots of stories in different Gospels which aren't found in the others. Yeah. But this yeah. woman yeah. is significant yeah. and important. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that we don't know her name. She had a role to play in God, like you said, in God's plan. Mm-hmm. And such a role that we don't need her name, but she's still there. Yeah, you know, and I and I would have been guilty of this when I I would have read it, and certainly, you know, yes, you would would have because I suppose again because it's such a small, it's written in such a matter of fact way that you think, well, there's no sort of uh, excitement about it. There's no frills to it. It's written so matter of fact that we we can dismiss it. But the more you look at it, the more you ponder about it, and the more you think about it, you realise it's actually very significant in so many different ways by just reading it as a one-liner, if you like. Now, I know you've touched on this in so many little parts, but if we could learn anything from Simon Peter's mother-in-law, we use both names today, what would you, what would you take from her? I think it was this immediate, the service, the, the recognition of the service. But first, before the, the, the miracle occurred, when uh, Simon's mother-in-law was well, she would have served in that family. The service to, to one another, to, to care, and to nurture that instinct that is there in women to nurture that that is so valuable that was put there by God for a reason we are meant to nurture it's our natural urge to, to nurture so she would have already have done that with with her family because she's brought up a family hasn't she she's mm-hmm. a mother-in-law so it's this side and then this service that's elevated if you like by her p- position to serving him by serving God by doing what we can however little it is whatever little it is to to be of service and to not diminish our capabilities to not say well I can only I can only do this I can only do there's no only in God's plan that there is only God's plan he doesn't say I'm only going to ask if there is no only so we should never diminish what we can do in 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 God's service I think that's the biggest thing that came out of this for me was was service and this idea that you know we are we are important regardless of whether somebody knows our name or not. Wow, that is so important to remember. And I think a lot of, I suppose, those female nurturing tasks of being at home and taking care of things, like you're taking care of your mum now. So you've moved out to the role of where you'd be seen and recognised as doing something within society, and now you're at home. But those important roles are so important, that care and the opportunity to, to look after other people because they are loved by God and we can show them our love in caring for them or preparing a meal I mean we all appreciate good food and it's lovely when somebody I know well 
I'll speak from my own experience. It's lovely when I cook a lot to just go and somebody else serve the food and take care of take yeah. care of you. And sometimes they might make a fuss said, oh, well, it's not very much. But actually, mm-hmm. that's really appreciated no matter how small it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we very often always put an excuse before what we do. I'm sorry, it's not very much. I'm sorry, I didn't have time to do this. Oh. I'm sorry, it's this. And, and we should never do that. We should never minimalise what we do, however much it is for for, for someone else in whatever way that it, it, it is you know the helping hand helping somebody up helping somebody yeah. get back on their feet it's exactly the same isn't it you've you've lifted someone up and you've helped them back on their feet it's there's no diminishing those actions at all oh and by her service you know getting up being restored to to life yeah. by jesus yeah. by yeah. her immediately doing service that gives glory to what he's just done for yeah. her yeah. and so all our small little actions which can seem insignificant or boring and repetitive at times especially you know at home (laughs) it can feel boring and repetitive oh my gosh I've purred all these socks 500 times and here we go again with 52 odd socks to be purred but if that's done with love it can actually give glory to him who we serve it gives glory to Jesus if we put a lot of love into those small actions every day yeah because it's a it's all the little small actions that 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 mount up isn't it it has to be done you know that like we would have anarchy in the world if nothing if everyone decided they wasn't going to do anything you know from the top to the bottom then you know that's the way that's the way the world works you know we have to but it's the way that we do it that that makes makes the difference and you know you see that obviously the other thing that struck me with this when you know she immediately got up so she, she didn't sort of like you know we might be getting over flu or something and sit in our pjs for three days getting over it she immediately was was energized she was invigorated she immediately got up and took to this task you know with enthusiasm so there wasn't any no effigy there but she immediately got up and performed these tasks so again it's this yeah we've got to get we've got to do these things but if we do it with, with love and enthusiasm it makes the 52 socks match much quicker well i shall remember this advice the next time i think oh i'll do that tomorrow put it off for tomorrow no god wants us to act immediately <laughs> respond to these boring tasks i've given so much away about how i find some things <laughs> thank you so much linda for really revealing how this woman uh simon peter's mother-in-law who's just briefly mentioned in one sentence in three of the gospels how much we can learn from her and how that tiny insignificant some would think one sentence in the bible teaches us such a lot and usually i end and ask you ask the listeners that is to go and spend some time with the woman we've spent we've been talking about and so we've particularly like would like you to read and go to the beginning of Mark's gospel. So Mark 1, 29 to 31, and have a pray with that and thank this mother-in-law for showing us how we should serve, how we should serve in the world. And do take Linda's advice too and explore the whole of the Bible, not just this one passage or one sentence. So thank you so much, Linda, for revealing so much to us. Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Natalie Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. 
I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.